He's the host with the most. And this is The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden. Good morning, Falchus Jock. Yes, indeed, it is the Saturday show. And indeed, it is me, Edward Hayden, with you and with you right through until 12 noon. And hopefully you're in a position to stay with me and us here on KCLR until then. Thanks so much to John with the news. Arash Arish, Arahen Deg with Nuwth Arish. Thanks also to Natalie Lennon for easing us gently into our Saturday morning with lots of music and chat and, of course, the easy quiz uh, as well. Lots lined up in the next couple of hours here on the Saturday show, so we'd love you to stay with us. Very shortly, our resident gardening expert, Shirley Lanigan, will be with us. She's going to be sorting out all of your gardening conundrums we're absolutely delighted after that to be joined by um, singing legend Sandy Kelly and Sandy will be telling us about um, her long hiatus uh, which is now coming to an end with uh, the first track of uh, a new album being released and an album planned for later in the year and of course Sandy is also launching her book uh, a little bit later in the year with the O'Brien Press we look forward to chatting with her about that to try and come to some sort of uh, um, some sort of acceptance of the weather Cahal Nolan from the Weather Channel is going to be joining us to tell us when can we see an end to this rain oh my god if I get up and see the rain one more morning I'm going to cry I actually may not be here for the month of August folks because I might have to hit somewhere for a bit of sun so I might have to crawl into uh, the steerage of a, of a ship and just get out of here because I'm ready for sun I have to say I'm not ashamed to say it I'm ready for a little bit of sun and a little bit of summer. Anyway, fingers crossed, we put out the child of Prague. Uh, Mags Bowen, our resident psychotherapist, is going to be with us after 11. She's going to be chatting this morning about infidelity. Um, so if you'd like to uh, have any questions answered, send them in to us 0833069696. She's going to talk to us, I suppose, about the acceptance and the accommodation of um, uh, infidelity in your life. Killian Donnelly, uh, Irish musical theatre star, will be with us about half past 11 this morning. He's going to be telling us about his current production in the Gate Theatre. And of course, we'll be bringing you back to the days of the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, so we look forward to that. And Valerie O'Sullivan from Roth House is also going to be with us this morning. So we look forward to chatting with her um, as well. Now, um, let us know what you uh, are up to for the weekend. 0833069696 is, of course, our dinner's ready data e contact line. Or we can um, use the telephone number 1800 90 96 96. And this morning you'll get through to the lovely Tara who's working with me this morning. So welcome uh, to uh, Tara to the show. I've told her this morning that she's now working on one of the biggest gigs in radio. So she understands the enormity of the task ahead of her uh, this morning. Um, indeed. Now, uh, coming up of course, as John said, on Scoreline four-time All-Ireland winner um, with Kilkenny, Conor Fogarty sits down with Robbie Dowling ahead of next Sunday's All-Ireland Senior Hurling Finals. So, uh, this chat will be on this afternoon, just after four o'clock. So, uh, stay tuned for that as well. Also, speaking of uh, Kilkenny's performance in the All-Ireland next Saturday, or next Sunday, excuse me, what I was going to tell you is next Saturday we have a special edition of the Saturday show. We'll be doing the Black and Amber Breakfast next Saturday 
from 10 till 12 so don't uh, miss that as well just before we go over to the gardening line I must say that last Sunday I had a gorgeous day at the Kilkenny Country Music Festival um, I met up and had a great afternoon with my lovely friend and colleague um, James Lakes who was the master of ceremonies for the afternoon and he did a mighty job um, last Sunday I have to say an absolutely mighty job and looking fabulous as well I was overjudging the best dress not only for he was connected he'd have got it because he was togged out the finest and uh, a great day was had with Trudy Lawler and Brendan Shine and Olivia Douglas and Mike Denver and Jimmy Buckley and lots more um, as well. So well done to all of the team at the Kilkenny Country Music Festival. They put on a great show in Goran Park last Saturday. Last Sunday. God, I don't know what day I have. Uh, they put on a great show last um, Sunday and it was a mighty, mighty day. And they had the child of brag out for sure and certain because um, Sunday morning at half past seven when I woke up, it was barbaric the conditions now I have to say there were just uh, I was ready to get into the ark with Noah but um, by that afternoon it was absolutely gorgeous and we spent the afternoon singing and dancing in resplendent sunshine in Gorn Park so uh, hats off to all of the team over there as well now let's head over to the telephone line because on it we are joined by our resident gardening expert Shirley Lanigan Shirley good morning Good morning, Edward. After I'm all of that, you and your 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 rain travails. Ah, uh, yeah, it's 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 lovely out today. Ah, uh, Shirley. Now it has gone beyond a joke. Do you know what I had to do when I was going out to open the gate this morning to get out in the car? I had to put on a coat. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, my heart broke about about two weeks ago when having spent really, I think, almost since May walking around in flip-flops in all terrains now i have to say about 10 days 12 days ago i had to give up and put back on the walking boots the marching boots and 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 rain jackets and i haven't really been out of them since Uh, it's shocking it's a bit sad it is shocking it's shocking um, anyway, talk to us then about how that impacts, though. I mean, all joking aside, we're all talking about, and, you know, I mean, this is the real time for, for the harvest, and all of this rain is slowing down the harvest as well in terms of, you know, farmers getting the opportunity to harvest their crops. Normally, like, you'd be meeting tractors and trailers and sprayers plenty on the road at this time of the year, but they're not out at the minute because the weather is, is so inclement. So it does have an impact on everyone but talk to us um, in the wider scale surely about um, gardening and and you know fruit and vegetables and salads and all the things that people might be trying to grow because lots of these things need a blast of sun as well don't they? They do they do they need a blast of sun it's sort of stray it's, it's been a very weird year though because you had nearly two months of fabulous weather and very dry weather almost too dry for growing mm. And the, the, the soil warmed up, but in some places it was cracking, it was so, so dry. And that's now been followed by rain, rain, go away. Um, it's funny, uh, roses had a great time, but any that are coming out now, are they're, they're, they're looking soggy, they're not able to take that rain, and they're bawling and looking ugh. But there's a lot of things actually that are doing really well. I'm looking at lilies at the moment, and nothing seems to beat those fellas down. The more rain you throw at them, the better looking they get. Uh, 
It's extraordinary. Now, in the vegetable garden, as well as your, your salads growing, the weeds are growing so fast that they're overtaking them. So if you're not out weeding very regularly, that little line of salads and beetroots and tomatoes and lettuce and things that you grow, you won't see them behind the weeds. But one good thing about all the rain again is that it makes the ground, literally, you can pull the weeds out with two fingers. So, you know, there's, there's pluses and, 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 and minuses. And I'm going to take a punt and say, you know, the rain's not going to, it's not going to continue. Said she, with her fingers and her toes crossed. Oh, uh, I'm quite sure we'll end up with a, 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 a bit more dry. But um, we'll, we'll just, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm, the growth has been amazing, though, because the blast of heat followed by the rain, it's extraordinary how big things have grown. So sure. you're certainly, you're not short of growth, as Bertie O'Hearn, O'Hearn would have said. Yeah, there no you have it. No shortage of growth. Uh, for sure, <laughs> and certain. And make sure, keep keep the water on the summer bedding as well, because the rain doesn't get into the pots, surely, as we all know. That is true. You might think that there's loads of rain and you don't have to water. You don't have to water your borders, certainly. But pots and certainly things up against house, house walls. The rain might not be um, falling in the direction of it. And you could have bone-dry plants only a metre away from things that are drowning and looking for a, 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 a life belt almost. So keep going out and checking your pots that are either against the house or in a porch or, as you said, uh, on, a, on a windowsill hanging baskets as well give them a drench and also feed them because that will keep them going they need food as well as water remember they're in small containers and small containers run out of food very quickly indeed uh, well I'm going to put out my house plants for the afternoon I hadn't time to do it this morning uh, in my in my haste to get here uh, yeah. but I'm going to put them out this afternoon I've decided the house plants love it outside. The, the, the rain is, the, the water is much better than, than, than chlorinated tap water. And also it cleans the leaves. It gets all the dust and, 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 and blood out of them. And they come in at the end of September, early October, twice the size they went out. You'll need, uh, you'll need to have built a bigger room in the meantime to, to accommodate them when you bring them back. But um, that's a very, very good idea. That's what I'm going to do. Shirley, Anna from Carlo has been on and she says, Good morning, Edward. Can you please ask Shirley a question regarding that beautiful flower, Nareen? I think it's Nareen. Um, um, mm-hmm. It grows from a bulb or tuber which appears to sit on the top of the soil or half in, half out of the ground. Can these bulbs or tubers be lifted and divided? And if so, when? Uh, replanting, um, do the bulbs and tubers go fully covered or are they two left sitting uh, on the top of the soil partially covered? Now, of course, it's a very elegant kind of almost ballerina type flower, isn't it? Yeah, it's, and given, given the, the cinema at the moment, all you will think of when you see an arene flowering is Barbie because it's Barbie pink. It is. It's an incredible sort of a lily and it's Barbie pink. Now, what you've got at the moment, if you've got marines, is you will have foliage, long, strappy foliage, um, about 35 centimetres a foot long. And it's sort of beginning to yellow. It's been looking lovely for the last few months, but it's beginning to yellow. Now, as it fades, up will come the flower spikes in sort of September, October. And they are extraordinary. And as the flower is flowering, the leaves will be coming yellower and yellower and you'll pull them as they die and you'll get rid of them. And you really almost end up with a, a, a line of beautiful flowers with no um, foliage. Now, when the flower dies down, 
as the woman said rightly, the, the bulb appears to be half in and a half out of the soil or literally almost just sitting on it. And that's the way it likes it. It also likes very dry, very free draining, very sunny, a sunny spot with free draining, gritty, stony soil even. I have mine growing in gravel and they love it. Oh. They absolutely love it. And you can divide them, but what to do is you wait until the flower is gone and the leaves are gone, and you can divide them then when you've got uh, just the, the, the bare bulbs sticking out of the ground. And basically, as you see them, plant them. When you replant them, you'll have a bit of uh, compost underneath, but basically up to the neck in grit and, 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 and gravel and in a nice sunny spot, and they'll last ever. They're a wonderful plant. And Shirley, am I right in saying that all bees that they look so uh, delicate and, and, and ladylike, they're, they're quite a hardy little uh, devil? They're very hardy. When I came to this garden oh, 150 years ago now, um, <laughs> it, had, it had been about 30 or 40 years since it had been gardened. It had been just left completely wild. And one of the very few things that were here and romping away were a, a, a line of marines uh, in, the, in the weedy gravel. They're an extraordinarily tough plant. You, you, won't, you wouldn't kill them now with petrol. Uh, where are your travels taking you this coming week, Shirley? Um, mostly the Midlands, uh, uh, Leash, and up to sort of Westmead and Mead and Longford, and all, all around, all around the middle, all around the middle, Offaly, North Tipperary. Okay, so nice, uh, nice gardening country up there. Nice gardening country if it stops raining. <laughs> if it stops raining, absolutely. Bring your galoshes for sure. Shirley, uh, have a lovely day and uh, good morning to you. I have a few, I have two things to tell you. Oh, Number well then tell one, me, I'll tell be, me. Yeah, I'll be missing this, but on Wednesday, Wednesday at two o'clock, in Rose House on High Street in Kilkenny, the Kilkenny Horticultural Society is having its garden party and I predict it's going to be fabulously sunny and it'll be wonderful a really lovely day out for anybody the Rose House Gardens are beautiful and the, 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 the people in the Horticultural Society are the finest you'll have a lovely day really really nice and then just a note for another note to the diary towards the end of the month the 29th of the month until the 5th of August is the Carlo Garden Festival which is going to be brilliant and I'm going to bore you about it for the next two weeks but uh, you'll see the brochures in all the garden centres around at the moment now you can start buying tickets there's a fabulous range of speakers we've got half the BBC coming over to talk at us and uh, all of the best gardeners all the best England gardeners well all the best gardeners for sure and there's a lovely girl that we all know well discussing herbs in Kilgraney House did I see <laughs> Oh yeah, that's me. That'll, that'll be one of the lesser events. But yeah, no, I'll be I'll be talking about herbs in the beautiful herb garden in Kilgraney. It's oh, it's gorgeous there. It's really lovely. They 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 are herb experts. There you have it. Well, later on in the show, we're actually going to be joined by Valerie O'Sullivan from Rose House, and she's going to be telling us all about this garden party as well. So it'll be well documented on this morning's show. Very good. Shirley, have a gorgeous day. Um, get yourself a croissant and a coffee and turn on uh, Netflix and chill. That's my permission. Oh, no, to no. You. The tennis. Arms oh, to yeah. To win the ladies' final today. That's much more important. 
Love 15, 15, love. <laughs> See you, Shirley. Good morning. Love all. Love all. That's what we all do. We all love them all. Uh, Kay was on to us as well, and Kay has sent us in a lovely little quote. And she sent that she saw this in, I'll tell you where she saw it in a second, but it's from George Bernard Shaw, uh, who said, I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It is sort of a splendid torch which I've got a hold of for the moment and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations as well. So how gorgeous is that? And of course she saw that in the Irish Wake Museum in Waterford um, as well. So that's great as well. Uh, happy birthday to Brenda Redmond and that comes in with best wishes from Anne and Brian Maxteen as well. So good morning and good wishes to Brenda for her birthday as well. And uh, another text for um, Breda Redmond is, good morning Edward, will you wish my sister Breda Redmond a very happy birthday for today? I saw a lovely photo from last Sunday in Gorn of Breda and your good self. Um, so thank you Edward, hope you had a good day and that's from Eileen Darcy as well so thank you and good morning um, as well now um, let's take a little bit let's see now what are we going to do we're going to take a little sus biog with like at the right um, thing here uh, so we're going to take a little sus biog a rash ikyang kupla no this Saturday show with Edward Hayden KCLR with thanks to Lyrath Estate Kilkenny's luxury hotel perfect for spoiling yourself more details on lyrath.com Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. 0833069696 is our dinnersready.ie contact line. Keep the texts and messages coming in to us here as well. We'd love to hear from you throughout the morning. Uh, let us know what you're up to. Okay, of course, a texter letting us know that today is St. Swithin's Day. Um, a rain on this date means 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Oh, sacred heart. I'm emigrating if that's the case. I couldn't deal with it. Um, so, as well. Uh, good morning, Edward. Rita Casson here. I was at the Country Fest in Gorn last Sunday with my friends Rosie Bulger, Liz Kern and Gabby Brophy, who won tickets uh, for the Wexford Festival. We had a brilliant afternoon. All of the acts were amazing. Rosie and myself were never there before, um, but uh, it was great value and they really enjoyed it. And that Rita Casson from Lachlan Bridge there as well. We also have a request for Bernie Curtis uh, from Barntown in Wexford uh, who's sitting back relaxing and enjoying my show apparently um, and she loves Jimmy Buckley and that message comes in from Paul and Mary in Callan um, also and uh, uh, here is a text good morning Edward could you please wish a very happy 40th birthday to Geraldine Hayden she celebrated her birthday in O'Driscoll's bar last night and that's from all of old school friends in St Mary's as well so happy to do that as well now we're just going to get Sandy Kelly uh, on the telephone line there so um, she's going to join us in just a few moments but let's play her most recent um track this is uh, the first track from her album how long will i love you and here it is now we're just having a little bit of an issue playing that 
Um, anyway, listen, we'll see what's the story uh, with her as well. Don't forget, I was telling you that uh, on Scoreline um, this Saturday afternoon, we have four-time All-Ireland winner, Conor Fogarty. He's going to be sitting down with um, Connor, with uh, Robbie uh, Robbie Dowling ahead of next Sunday's All-Ireland Senior Hurling uh, Clash as well. So uh, we look forward to chatting um, and hearing that chat a little bit later on as well. Now, let's head over to uh, the telephone line because on it, we are joined by the ever-lovely Miss Sandy Kelly. Sandy, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Lovely to hear your voice. How are you? I'm very good and so lovely to hear uh, from you as well, Sandy. And I'm absolutely thrilled. You're literally going to be everywhere for 2023. You're having a a bumper (laughs) year this year. You must have got an awful shock when you heard I actually had a new album. I was so <laughs> thrilled. I was so thrilled. <laughs> and I will be the first person out to get it. Uh, thank you, Edward. You've always been a great supporter. Yeah, I, I started the project. My son um, sort of dragged me into a studio in Nashville. In 2019, we started the project. And 2019, I started writing the book. And everything's ready to go this October. So it's been a long project, really. And I'm glad that we've got it to this point. It certainly is. Uh, talk about the album first, and we'll get to the book in just a second. But the album, of course, you have the 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 track that we're going to play shortly is "How Long Will I Love You." This was released um, very recently on the on the seventh of July. But the album is coming later on. Talk to us about what's going to be on the album because you have such a, an ex extensive career um, Sandy how have you picked the pieces uh, for this album or what's going to be on it I'll tell you Edward um, as I said this was my son's idea so I said to him actually look at you know I'll do the album but I'd like you to pick all of the songs so he picked an array of songs and then I narrowed it down to to 12 and we that we agreed on. And as you just said, uh, you know, I, I like to, to sing songs that I like as opposed to songs that are, you know, strictly country. Yes. And it, then, you know, like those songs you just talked about along with I Love You, the Waterboys song written by Mike Scott. Um, I think our version tilts toward country and that's kind of what we've done with the whole album. The whole album. Um, so the, the songs on the album reflect some of the stories in the book in my autobiography. And we tried to keep it like that. That's why the two are together. So there's a mix uh, on it. Um, I'm excited for you to hear the new version. We did a new version of uh, Woodcarver with Johnny Cash. Obviously, we kept Johnny's voice and my voice, but the music has been totally changed and brought into a more midstream, updated um, version. Oh, I can't wait. I think you. I actually think you'll love it. I actually think Edward, you'll really, really like the album because I know the sort of music that you like. Of course, I will like the album. You're on it. Of course, I will, and that's why everyone else will love it as well because they all love. Uh, they all love you, Sandy. The book, then, of course, is something. And I know, as you said, you know, COVID precluded you from from you know continuing and and bringing out the book as well. But now back on track, Sandy Kelly. In my own words. It's such a telling title, but you have such an extensive um, amount of stories to tell, good and bad, Sandy. Um, Tell us how important the book has been to you to work on. Well, there again, it wasn't something I wanted to do, Edward, you know, Mm. because so many people have written books and, you know, I don't read many books, never mind write one. But Michael O'Brien from O'Brien Press, who has sadly passed away uh, last year, 
he just had me haunted. He kept ringing and ringing, and every time I saw his name coming up, I thought, oh, my God, he's going to ask me to write a book. So eventually, having um, chatted to my son, um, William said, just as you did, that I've had a, a very varied life, good, bad, um, the good and the bad and the ugly. And he said, Mum, you know, you need to write your story for your grandson. Uh, because when he grows up, you know, he needs to hear your story. And that's really the reason I did it, was to document my life for my family, really, initially. And of course, your grandson, um, Frank, is appearing with you uh, on the video version of How Long Will I Love You as well. He is, yeah. He's a, he's a lovely little character. I tell you what, you know, the, the tough times that we've had, specifically in the last five years, you know, when my sister passed away mm. almost five years ago, he has sort of been the shining light in this house, you know. Absolutely. And I'm sure he's here nearly all the time. They live they live not too far away, so every chance he gets, he's here for a stay over. And, of course, he gets spoiled when he's here, you know. Does he think you're <laughs> the coolest granny in the world? I oh, look, it's hilarious. He thinks I'm a super... I think he thinks that I'm uh, Barbara Streisand or something like that. Because he, he was... You're bigger. We were sitting... <laughs> I wish. <laughs> we were sitting outside there during the good weather and... Uh, we were having a, a, a little soft drink and my daughter Barbara was with us. And he said, Granny, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, what, what is it, Frank? He said, you know when your album comes out and you're, you need to be awful, awful careful about the paparazzi. <laughs> <laughs> Sly go look out. <laughs> yeah, he said, they could be anywhere. <laughs> they certainly could. I figured to myself I couldn't pay them to follow me. <laughs> well, I'm thinking to him, say, I mean, he probably must uh, uh, must look at it and say, well, listen, one minute Granny is down on the floor, you know, with plain stickle bricks in her leggings and the next minute she's running out to work in a sequin frock and the hair flicked out. Yeah, yeah, I suppose he, it's a probably, stra- I'm a strange kind of a grandmother in that way. He loves, he loves pancakes and he loves, as you said, playing board games and stuff. And then, He's eight now. He'll be nine next month. Okay. Um, he's, God. So he's been able to come to a few festivals with me. And uh, sure, he couldn't be prouder, you know. It's, it's fantastic, really. Why not? And of course, Andy, uh, you're appearing with Trudy um, a good bit on the road, but on her new, um, her, her new track as well. That's right. Trudy invited me. That's, we did that about, um, I think, four months ago or something like that. Trudy and I would be very good friends. And she rang to ask um, if I'd sing on her new single as well. And I was delighted to do so. So I went up to Jonathan Owen's studio there in um, near Lo- outside Longford. And I thought, I think it came out really well. It's a great song, isn't it? Blaise it certainly Gold. is. We had it on, we had it on Casey yeah. Lore. And she was talking about your last Sunday in Gorn as well um, at, the, at the music festival there. So she's a big oh, Sandy Kelly that. fan also. Yeah, she's great. We've been friends for a long time. And, you know, herself and Billy are two of the nicest people in the business. And uh, as you said, you know, they, I work with them a fair bit. And next year, I'm for the second time, I'll be going Portugal trip next uh, April. That's right. So, yeah, it's great. It's that's, that's the only thing about our business is that your our friends, you know, are, say our very close and personal friends like Trudy and I'd be very friendly with Louise Morrissey and Philomena Bagby. But we're very spread out, so we only get together when we're working, you know. We don't get a chance to socialise, which I, I wish we did, really. There you have it. You're all in different parts of the world. Sandy, yeah, how yeah. did you approach the book? The book will be out, as you said, with O'Brien Press uh, later in the year in October. How did you approach it? You spoke there about the, the last the last five years um, have been particularly well, like difficult. And I know yeah, how, how much you lost. I'm very difficult to write it down. You know, it was I mean, there's parts of the book that are hilarious. They're very funny because my dad, my family, 
come from a fit-up uh, background, you know, show, travelling show. And that's a lot of that in the beginning of the book. And, you know, the, the, there's a lot of light-hearted stuff in it. But going alongside of that, there's a painful stuff. Mm. And it was it was difficult to to sit at my table day after day after day and write it. And I chose, I, I was getting advice from this one and that one and the other, the un, unwanted advice sometimes. <laughs> but I decided to just sit at the table and get a pen and a paper and handwrite my book. And I ended up with 90,000 words. Oh, Jesus. I know, I swear to God. And they had, of course, the editor, um, O'Brien Press, the editor, they narrowed it down to, I don't know how many words it is now, to whatever they needed. And, you know, the, it was to and in front for about, oh my God, it must have been six months where they'd send it back and say, how do you feel about, you know, changing that? Or how do you feel about moving this? Or how do you feel about taking that out? And so it was a long, drawn out process, really. And not one I'd like to repeat, I don't think. <laughs> so we won't, we won't be getting a sequel. No, you will not be getting a sequel. I won't live long enough to do a sequel. <laughs> ah, stop the lights, stop the lights. <laughs> and Sandy, when you had it and, you know, it was finished and you kind of reread over the, the edited version, I mean, I've, you know, read and, and heard about lots of, of different excerpts of the, of, the, of the life over the years, you know, as I said, good and bad. I yeah. presume you must be immensely proud to kind of look back on what a glittering career it has been so far. You know, the opportunities that, that your talent afforded you, you know, have been amazing and uh, opportunities that others could only dream of. That's a very good question, Edward. You know, for the most part, earlier in my career when I had my TV show and all of that, I was extremely busy, busy as you know. Mm. And I was forever on the treadmill. I just never stopped. And really, it was only in writing this book and then of course we had COVID which confined us to home I had a chance to to go looking for the boxes you know the, the boxes that you put everything into and put them away and you don't even know where they are so mm-hmm. there was that process and then in going through the boxes I was reminded as you just said of, of all the great opportunities I had and for people I met uh, sadly some of them not here today and how lucky I was um, and that part of it was lovely to realise you know, oh my God, you you know, you actually sang with these people, you met these people, mm. befriended some of them. And some of the stories and some of the letters, I found a box of letters that people had written to me during my series. And I read through some of those, you know, people that were supporting me and supporting my show. And it, it was a very emotional uh, journey, I have to say. I would say now at the moment, I, I feel very tired emotionally. Okay. Having having revisited an awful lot of things I'd forgotten about, number one, and number two, revisited a lot of things I didn't want to think about. You know, you push things to the back of your mind if you can, if you don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. But if you write a book, pen in in hand, you have to think about it and you have to be accurate about your facts and dates and recount things that you'd rather not. That part of it I found very, very... um, exhausting mentally of course and the title lends us to to that expectation of honesty it's Sandy Kelly in my own words so you know it's such a personal connection isn't it it is Edward and I think I suppose that's one of the reasons I was hesitant about writing it because I thought you know if if somebody writes a book at at the very least it should be honest Mm. Um, you know you don't set out to offend anybody and I didn't do that but I was very honest in, in what I wrote because when people spend their money that's what they deserve the same thing if you deliver a song to somebody in an audience 
you should be very honest about your delivery and your your performance, the same as when you're on stage, Edward, you know? For sure. Because the, the, the person in the seat knows when you mean what you're doing and when you when you look out into the audience. So I was the same, I had the same mindset with the book that I imagined in my head some one person sitting at home on their own reading, you know, my story, which would a wonderful compliment to me if somebody takes spends their money, number one, and takes the time to read to me because, to be honest with you, to, you know, to me it's not very important. I'm not, you know, I'm no better or different to anybody else. So it's a big compliment to me. Of course, okay. well, I think it's it's your personality and your talent in equal measure that kind of captivates people, Sandy, and and brings oh, them brings them into you. It's certainly well, thanks, it is the that's gospel. Nice it's the gospel truth. Uh, you're going to have a bumper year, of course. We're delighted to have grabbed you first here on KCLR, but you're going to yes. be on every radio station and TV program in the Sandy country on Monday. You you're the very first interview, and I was delighted when I when I was asked, you know. And, you, you know, you're great. You always invite me on the show when I have something going on. Or, and it's great. It really is. And you and I need to meet. We need to stop talking on the radio. I yeah. <laughs> need to have a bottle of wine now. Never mind a glass. <laughs> oh, only one. Yeah. <laughs> a bottle an hour. <laughs> a bottle an hour. A bottle and a straw. There you have it. Sandy, yeah. it's so gorgeous yeah, to talk to you. You're just such oh, a, a wonderfully talented person and such a good person. And that's why people love you. I wish you nothing but the very best of success. I know it's going well, to be a great I year and I hope you. you're really happy. I'm, I'm really excited to see. I mean, already since the book was launched, uh, the news came out, I should say, and the album, uh, the, the album launch came out, all of that media news came out. It's been fantastic. And I'm overwhelmed with the amount of messages I've gotten from people. It's just, it's heartwarming and it really lifts my spirit um, to know that people are still interested and still care about uh, what I'm doing. Um, and my son, my son William is, is uh, managing me at the moment. He's, that's what he does for a living. Now. He manages artists and um, he's organising a tour for me. Um, next March to promote the book and the album and I'm hoping uh, hoping very much I rang him the other day I said will you please please try and get us an invitation to Langton's oh yes I used to love going to Langton's and Johnny Barry and some great memories absolutely and we love you down in the set theatre in Langton's as well it's fabulous we've all the the different concerts and uh, when we've met Sandy Kelly and Patsy Klein all in the night I know, <laughs> you know, it's amazing, you know, the Patsy Klein show brought me to so many places and I have a huge warm place in my heart for that show and for Patsy. Of course, and we're going to be chatting a little bit later on in the show to Killian Donnelly, but of course, Killian Donnelly, as my guest this morning, doesn't distinguish yes. himself as the only person to have played on the West End because you had a long run on the West End yourself with, with the Patsy yes. Klein show. Well, now, don't forget to tell him that. Well, I certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case he thinks he's going to run amok on me. <laughs> Just going to say we'll get him off his high horse. There you have it. <laughs> Sandy, listen, I'm going to play How Long Will I Love You for all of my glorious listeners this morning. It's Thanks. so gorgeous to talk to you. I wish you nothing but the best and for sure and certain make sure you get that invitation to Kenny. You could get an invitation and if you ran Carnegie Hall, they'd want Sandy Kelly of that, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but listen, Edward, thank you so much for all your kind words. And, and, and I want to say a big hello to all of your listeners as well. I hope to see them soon. Thanks, Sandy. Good morning. Here we, is, here we are with How Long Will I Love You. God bless, Sandy. God bless. Bye.
Oh, that was Sandy Kelly there. Sandy Kelly giving you how long will I love you? Absolutely fabulous. Now we're going to take a little break or maybe it appears we're not going to take a little break. Um, I'm not sure which is having a bit of a technical difficulty. The break won't play. Oh my God. The whole country is in a state of chassis. The whole uh, world is in a state of uh, chassis here. Um, the break is not playing for us here this morning. Keep the text coming to us there. 083 306 9696 um, uh, great to hear Sandy Kelly Edward best wishes to her and new book love that song how long will I love you and that's from Bridget there as well so um, thanks to Bridget for that as well uh, Nikki Keeley uh, again great performer has been on he said Edward please give my best wishes to Sandy and that's from Nikki Keeley here in Carlo so Thanks, uh, Nikki, for that as well. And of course, yeah, there's great, uh, there's great love out there for Sandy Kelly um, as well. We're going to take a little uh, break back after this. This Saturday show on KCLR with Edward Hayden. Now, Falchus Arash, good morning. 0833069696 is our texter. Happy memories of Sandy, her sister and her cousin playing at a dance hall in Kiltegan many years ago. And that's for sure and certain as well. And uh, also, Edward, good morning. Could you please play a request for my two beautiful nieces whose birthday it is today, Rachel uh, Gogan and Paula Corcoran wish them a very happy birthday from Auntie Ange and that comes in with lots of love as well. Now uh, we're going to check on the whole situation regarding the problems with the weather. I told you if it doesn't pick up I'm going to emigrate uh, so we'll check in with Cahill just after this break. Stay with us. KCLR now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Uh, Edward Hayden here with you on the Saturday show. Keep the text coming in to us. 083-306-9696. Dinnersready.ie contact line here on KCLR. Let's head over to the telephone line. We're joined on it by Cahill Nolan from uh, the uh, Weather Channel. Cahill, good morning to you. A very good morning, Edward. Nice to chat with you and thanks for taking the time to chat. Pleasure as always. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, Cahill, talk to us about the weather. Firstly, I, I'm, I'm sure you know, but of course uh, our texters are reminding us that today is St. Swithin's Day, uh, where folklore would tell us that whatever we get today, we're going to get for the next 40 days. How do you hold with that contention? Well, I certainly hope that it's not coming true anyway. <laughs> because it's very un- <laughs> certainly very unsettled across the country today, and we can do without that for the next 40 days or 40 nights. I suppose when you look at those kind of old tales, let's say, it's an interesting, the connotation even of 40 days. So it's often a reference, let's say, even from biblical stories where we talk about 40 days and 40 nights. It actually just corresponds to quite a long period of time. It doesn't necessarily correspond to actually 40 days or 40 nights. So we could potentially see unsettled weather for a very long time, maybe. It's what we're saying. Um, it doesn't necessarily always hold up true to the conditions we see on St. Titan's Day do follow true. But I suppose looking ahead for the next seven to ten days at least, it looks as though we keep a pretty mobile picture, pretty unsettled conditions at times. A little bit drier during the midweek slot next week, so between about Wednesday to Friday, there'll be cases of sunshine and showers during that period, but overall 
it's a little bit unsettled for this time of the year. Okay, well now, Cahal, all roads uh, here from our uh, flagship headquarters here on uh, the Dublin Road in Kilkenny leads to Croke Park uh, tomorrow week for the All-Ireland Hurling Final in Kilkenny taking part. What do you think we're going to be looking at for a weekend weather update next weekend? I suppose, given the fact that it is still just over a week away now, it is difficult, given a mobile picture, to be very precise in terms of the conditions. It looks as though, in general, we will probably have an orderly flow as we go into the next week, so north and northwest flow. Temperatures will be a little bit cool for the time of year, maybe around about 17 to 18 degrees Celsius. With an orderly flow, there's a good chance that it may be pretty dry conditions, I think, for the day itself. Maybe just a risk of the odd shower at times. That would be the initial outlook course we'll get a better picture as we get a little bit closer to the time but for the moment probably drier than drier than conditions we've seen sort of late but with still with a risk of one or two showers and temperatures a little bit on the cool side. Carl listen not asking you to look into the meteorological uh, crystal ball but what's the reason for all this you know so often you know people throw it out and you see it on social media with all the keyboard warriors saying it's climate change it's climate change we're all responsible for it uh, is is that the case or, or what's the situation with regard somebody said recently we got a month of sun and then we got the summer <laughs> I suppose I suppose technically you could potentially call that our summer I was talking to another chap at that particular time as well when we were having the very I suppose dry settled conditions warm conditions in May and June he said the grass never burns twice in the one summer so if that is the case then certainly the rest of the summer it wouldn't be a particularly good outlook but I suppose getting back to let's say, the science behind why we're seeing the conditions that we're experiencing at the moment. It's really down at the moment, I think, to the location of the jet stream itself. So when we had those particularly fine, dry conditions, the jet stream was actually well to the south of Ireland. We had an area of high pressure located to the north or northeast, and that was allowing us to have very settled conditions, winds coming from an easterly direction, and that brought us plenty of sun and warmer conditions. What we've seen of late, I suppose, is that the jet stream is pretty much directly located across the country or a little bit to the north, and that's certainly allowed areas of low pressure to just essentially sweep in from the Atlantic, and at times they're remaining pretty semi-stationary or stationary directly across the country, and that's what's given us our pretty unsettled conditions. Is it related to climate change? There is some evidence to suggest that as the jet stream becomes weaker, associated with, I suppose, because we see temperatures warming more in the Arctic regions than they are in the mid-latitude regions, this creates an imbalance, let's say. So typically we need a strong temperature gradient between the cold air to the north, the warm air to the south, to make the jet stream stronger. As it gets weaker, it's a little bit like cycling a bicycle. So if you don't cycle particularly hard, you just steady and stationary but there's not a lot of force in it you have a tendency to meander and that's what's happening with the jet stream then as well and it's certainly becoming stuck in some positions so you could link it back to climate change but at the moment it's generally just located on the, the impact of the jet stream itself Okay, uh, a, a texture must be in my head and reading my head for the next question because we're talking about the, the wet weather there, Cahill. But not only that, uh, our texture says, Edward, it was so cold last night, I had the central heating on. There's a, an, an inclemency around temperature as well as around rain, isn't there, at the minute? Like the evenings are chilly ish. You wouldn't be kind of uh, togging off fully if you were out and about. 
He certainly wouldn't, and I suppose that was one of the things that we noticed, certainly through yesterday evening, is that it certainly didn't feel like the middle of July, certainly not the 14th of July. Mm. You could have been mistaken for thinking it was maybe October, given the temperatures yesterday and just how it felt, and certainly that is the case again today. There's a relatively brisk wind out there too. I suppose the reason for the cool temperatures now is that we've seen our winds, a blade they have been from a southerly or southwesterly direction, so while we were having quite a bit of rain, it was a little bit muggy, it was a little bit humid at times, that has changed over the past number of days. We've seen our winds switch around to a more northwesterly or westerly direction, and that's getting cooler air, I suppose, from the northwest or from across the Atlantic. Looking ahead for the next week or so, that seems to be the case again. So we will have winds from a westerly or a northwesterly direction, and that will keep our temperatures a couple of degrees below average for the time of year. Well, listen, Cahal, we'll hope for the best, but thanks for uh, thanks for, for trying to sugarcoat the news for us anyway this morning. <laughs> we do appreciate <laughs> it. Good morning, and people can find you on social media at uh, The Weather Channel as well. Thanks, Cahal, and good morning to you. Thank you very much, Edward. Take care now. Now, that brings us to the end of the first hour. Let's take a break. We'll have the news with John. This Saturday show with Edward Hayden. KCLR. With thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on lyrath.com. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Thanks so much to John Arashari from Manley. Hi, Edward. Can you wish Bernie Lee me a happy birthday from an old friend, Melanie? And I'm happy to do that. And uh, uh, again, I'm happy to confer my own good wishes uh, to Bernie as well. Uh, Mary and Carla wants me to put out the child of Bragg down in Greg Manor for God's sake, she said. Mary, I'm afraid we don't control the weather down in uh, in Greg Manor. Uh, Bridget, of course, uh, was on as well with Bridget Williams down in the deep south of Mullina Vegas. Uh, great to hear Sandy Kelly. Edward, best wishes to her in her new book. Love that song, How Long Will I Love You? She's absolutely fabulous says uh, Bridget as well Uh, another very kind lady was on to us and she says hi Edward I hope you're well today I was in town um, yesterday and I sat on a seat at the Bank of Ireland in Parliament Street and I found a bag from Paul's menswear Edward I would love to return those items to the person who lost them and the lady has given me her name and number which I'm happy to do so if you want to ring us here 083306 I might advise that lady it might be uh, prudent to give Paul the ring as well in case somebody goes back looking for that as well I'm wondering what size are they <laughs> if they're not if they're not claimed anyway 0833069696 uh, very shortly we're going to be joined by our resident um, psychotherapist Mags Bowen uh, but before that Martin has popped in to give us a little tidbit of news Martin good morning uh, 32 waist and I think a 44 in a jacket just, just yeah. put it out there you know back uh, off Martin <laughs> you got there first Thanks a million. An I'm evening jumping, of celebration. I'm jumping in very, very quickly to, to remind people about a very, very special evening that's happening next Wednesday. Those of you who listen to Radio Nogueta will know uh, the wonderful Ronan McAvoy. He is the fastest Irish speaker I've ever encountered. I did an, uh, uh, an interview with him a couple of years ago in another context and I had to lie down afterwards. He's just so enthusiastic, but he's got a beautiful Donegal accent. He speaks very quickly, but he is an absolute ball of energy. And unfortunately, he's had a very serious health challenge. Uh, it's a form of bowel cancer that um, 
the treatment for is not available in this country and he's currently in the States undergoing treatment. He's a father of young children as well, but he's also a hero of Irish radio, Blake and Keol. And he has put so many bands and supported so many bands and supported the Irish language in his own way for many, many years. And uh, now they're coming he, back to support him. That's exactly what's going to happen. It was one of those things where you just go, we should, and by the time we'd finished all saying individually, we should do something the phone started ring. People like Nelly Crony and Earl Leonard, who were both local to here, bands like Shawlin, they were all on to Sharon on the Castic. And we said, right, okay, well, look, um, that's, as it were, the easy bit done. We've got a group a program. of people. We've got a programme. So what we're doing is we're putting out the, the story. Me, Holly Marching, the, the um, Previdia and Ball of Energy from the Guild School has been doing great work. We're getting sponsors. We want to sell tickets though. Um, it's going to be a great evening as well as Irla O'Leonard and Shulling and uh, Nelly Cronin. We'll also have the wonderful Born Church and their previous generation uh, the Castic, they'll be on stage as well. Also, local band the Donnies, uh, some of whom are in the Collage de Pubble, and a group from the Collage de Pubble as well. So it's a fantastic evening of music, quite apart from anything else. Irla and Nell are world famous. Nell is a former winner of the Coronary, they're one of the youngest ever to win it. Irla needs no introduction. And Shulin are uh, locally based. We're going to have a live stream on the night. Hopefully, Ron will be able to, to be in. But the reason for it is to raise money to help towards his, his uh, significant medical expenses. Where can people get the tickets, Martin, so if they don't on, decide not to get them on the door? Because well, I presume there'll be a few on the door on the night. There should be a few on the door, but they are they are going nicely. Uh, nowadays, you don't have to worry about going to buy your tickets uh, in a physical spot. It's online at the settheatre.ie. Set.ie. It's well publicised. Click there. You'll be able to buy your tickets on the night. If people have my number or Miola Martin's number, if they want to ring in through here, I can put them right as well. If people want to sponsor and people have been very, very generous. They can give me a shout as well. It's going to be a great night anyway, but it's for not just a very good cause. I know we always say that. This is a man who has supported Irish music and the Irish language for many, many years. And like I say, we had no trouble getting people to appear on the night. That's the esteem that he's held in. Which is great. And it's a night of celebration and a night of music as well. That's in the Set Theatre this Wednesday night. Uh, and again, a very impressive lineup. Our clan set, of course, there this Wednesday night gig, the run on. Mila Buikas, Martin, thanks Remember very much. Thing. Hope that goes uh, really well, of course. And uh, hopefully, people will be able to pop along and enjoy a feast of music that is to behold them on this coming Wednesday night in the set. Now, over to our resident uh, psychotherapist, Mags Bowen, who. Um, is with me in studio. Mags, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you too. You're Thank like you. myself. You're talking out in the summer gear regardless. Well, you know what? If we're going to wait for summer, we'll be waiting a while. So um, I think. So uh, why not wear the summer gear and feel the joy of the colour at least. Indeed. Mags, we talk about lots of things on this show and we have so much more still to talk about in the in the years ahead. But I thought this week that we'd kind of focus on the whole notion of, I suppose, relationships in the in the in the wider sense. Mm. But particularly I suppose I was thinking of infidelity. Now again there's no swell of texts that are telling me I've had an affair or I'm having an affair or anything like that. But we don't need that to know that it is happening. Mm. You know, there are people who are having affairs or there's breakdown of relationships yeah, because yeah. of that affair. There are people who are the, I'm not sure if the right word is, is the victim uh, in this. It's probably not. But there are people who on whom the affair is being had and that in itself causes lots of, of challenges. Talk to me about it. Well, I suppose the impact of having um, 
an affair or for infidelity to happen within a relationship is it, it undermines i suppose the foundation of the relationship so if you look at the foundation of any relationship um you know the, the very very strong ingredient in the foundation of a relationship is trust so immediately that trust is impacted also the safety and the security of who you are in that safe haven of relationship you know that you have your significant other to share uh, your dilemmas with and your your thoughts and your fears with and you feel safe in that and that's undermined very often when an affair happens also there's that sense of self-confidence um, you know for the person who may discover or have been told that an affair has been had you know what does this say something about me um, was mm. I not good enough you know am I not enough and that very much impacts, you know, that person's sense of self and self-confidence in the relationship and trust within themselves and their own enoughness. Um, so it, there's many, many impacts, you know, it can impact as well, of course, then within the wider family, if it's known um, friendships may have been compromised if it's known. So, you know, it really depends on, on who has been um, privy to this information or if the information is just kept between the couple themselves but yeah there is there's, there's a massive fallout very often from an affair completely unrelated um but of course it now relates when when you're when you're talking about this whole notion am i not enough yeah. we had nolene blackwell on the show last week chief executive officer of dublin rape crisis center and they're um rolling out a campaign at the minute about we consent so it's consent in the in the in the minute way and it's consent in the broad way so whilst it's about sexual consent it's consent of language consent of you know deed and action and whatever mm. as well uh, and just on that I suppose lots of people have the affair end of things is not discussing you know whether we're going to get dads or parcel it's not discussing where we're going to go on holidays a lot of times it's the kind of the very physical exchange isn't it and um, the affair can be kind Kind of for sexual gratification or whatever. So I presume that kind of casts the light then on those activities in a relationship as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and I suppose there's, we have to be very, very um, balanced and look because one person will have been involved in having the affair and one mm. person then will have uh, I suppose this will have come to their attention or they'll find out or they'll be told so but it's very very important once you recognise the impact of the affair then to recognise why did the affair happen you know and, and of course one person maybe immediately left feeling am I not enough and and that feeds into all sorts of um, senses of self in terms of you know even down to you know am I not spoke am I not trusted enough uh, why didn't they communicate their unhappiness with me and also then there's the sexual side of things you mm-hmm. know am I not enough in that area of our relationship either but I suppose it's important then to pull it back and to say why did the affair happen and you know very often not all the time and I don't want to generalize in any way but very often people can feel you know that there has been an emotional disconnect within my relationship and that has gone on for a while um, there can have been a breakdown in communication we both got very very busy um, maybe I wasn't feeling heard in the relationship there was a lack of intimacy in the relationship for a while and intimacy and sexual relationship are different mm. you know so sometimes uh, the intimacy as well as the physical relationship has gone or it has certainly changed so it's very important as well as recognising the impact of the affair then to look at why did the affair happen and that requires very deep and honest and open communication, which can be very, very challenging because one person may want to know all the details and why and where and when mm. and how. 
and somebody else may just not want to go there at all. Is it a sweeping generalisation to say that, you know, affairs happen because one or both parties become, um, I suppose, lazy, for want of a better word, in the in the relationship or in the kind of the work that goes into relationship? Because a relationship of any hue, whether it's a kind of a marriage or a partnership or romantic or professional or business or friend, takes work. We all know that. Yeah, and I suppose rather I'd stay away maybe from the word lazy. Of course. I, I would look at perhaps one or both parties have um, ceased to be nourished within the relationship, you know, and ideally in a relationship, and I say ideally, life is not ideal, but ideally in a relationship, we nourish ourselves as individuals and then we nourish each other as, uh, you know, partners. And I suppose for various reasons and various events and um busy, child rearing, uh, looking after, you know, maybe older relatives, um, lack of communication, you know, for, for various reasons, one person may feel a little lack of nourishment. And again, this is the part after an affair has been um, discovered or disclosed. It's the two people then are involved in the repair. And that can be difficult for the person who feels, well, I'm not uh, the person here who conducted the, the affair but it really does take two people to come back together and to look at that nourishment and how we go forward. Uh, what I've written down here just after your first sentence I wrote, wrote down a, a two word question um, uh, but I suppose I preface it by saying that you or I on the radio can't be a panacea for, for, for no. relationships this no. morning and they're, they're multifactorial but you spoke a lot there and if, of course all relationships are built on the formation of trust and what I've written down is, can we re-establish trust or is that kind of unique to the two participants? Uh, we can, as individuals, re-establish trust, but it does take work and it takes two people to be involved. Mm. And I suppose if you look at it from the point of view of if one person is deemed as, you know, you are the person who had the affair and then the other person has to come on board and re-establish that trust together, um, that can be a tricky piece of work because one person may feel, well, why should I have to go and do the work now? But I suppose it does come back to that communication. Why did this happen? Where did that a relationship stop being nourished or where was it in a little bit of, of undernourishment mode? Um, and yeah, rebuilding the trust is it's it's a process. It takes a long time. There can be um, one step forward and two steps back in terms of people can be suspicious for a long time afterwards and that trust really does take time to be built and that can be very hard for both people because you know look I've explained why this happened and we've decided to give it a go again and we're trying to rebuild trust but I'm sensing you don't trust me or you're questioning me every time I go outside the door so that's very very um, hard and it takes an awful lot of work uh, to rebuild that but of course you know yes trust can be rebuilt it's, I often say it's like a building maybe a crack in the foundation stone but we can get back in and underpin that structure um, the structure is absolutely perfectly fine and safe again but you have had to put work and time and emotional investment into going back in and restabilising and restructuring and very often it gives people a space not always but at times to be actually able to relook at the at the relationship and say let's do a reassessment of our needs individually in this relationship and what do we need going forward that maybe we didn't think of 20 years ago. And emerge stronger. And emerge stronger. You know, some relationships absolutely come back together after an affair and are stronger and others 
don't. Let's take a little break and come back to that whole thing now. I've just, you've just grabbed me with that yeah. whole thing of our needs and the 20 years. Maybe we'll, we'll come back and talk about the change in needs and how we kind of should communicate them or not because people are not psychic. Let's take a break and talk about the needs. And of course, if anyone has any text or comments on it, uh, they can send them in to us with full anonymity 0833069696. Back after this. This Sati Show on KCLR with Edward Hayden. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Edward Hayden here with you here on the Saturday show. Mags Bone, resident psychotherapist, remains with us. Mags, uh, we were talking about relationships. We were talking about the shift in needs, you yes. know, uh, when you're in the first flush of a relationship. You know, and I'm saying that not necessarily marriage, but it could be a, a marriage as well. But it's all kind of roses and milk tray, isn't it? And Absolutely. then life changes, the world changes and invariably people change. How do we... Do we need to do an annual audit to say, well, this is where mm. I'm at or, or how does that play out? Tell us. Well, again, I'm going to use your lovely phrase of visiting with yourself, you know, Lovish. and we do need to visit with each other because we're just saying over the break, you know, I'm with my darling husband <laughs> 34 years this year. Uh, we're my 25. You know, I was 19 when we met. No 19 year old. is You're like, a different girl. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> Uh, like a fine wine, Edward, you yes. mean, yeah. But um, no, but from the age of 19 to 53, quite obviously, I'm not the same person and neither is he. So, you know, when you look back, you say, how did those changes happen and become integrated within the relationship? And I suppose you do have to uh, consciously or unconsciously, but really recognise what do we need from each other? What do we need for, for myself within the relationship? And how do we communicate my needs? And... That's very, very important going through all the different stages because when you come together first, as you say, everything is lovely and it's all very exciting and new. Mm. And um, then after a few years, and particularly if there's family and young families, there's the pressure of um, looking after young children and meeting their needs and their need to come first. But it's really important, and I'd often say to younger couples, keep dipping in with each other. Hello, who are you? How are you doing? Uh, what do you need? Is there anything that I'm I'm doing that you know you're not really finding helpful, and vice versa? And it's not all about finding out where we're going wrong, but it's just trying to stay on the same page in so far as we can, because after a period of time, twenty, twenty five, thirty years, you really need to be able to look at each other and say, you know, I still know you, and I'm actually so excited now to be able to get back to just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many couples, and it's not anybody's fault; it's life you can get so caught up in the busyness of um, work and child rearing or building careers or caring for others that you just lose track um, of the other person's needs and your own needs. So it is that visiting with yourselves and visiting with each other. That whole notion, actually, that when that period when the family are reared and the career is established or whatever, you know, it is a getting to know you all over again isn't it and how do we how do we do that I love when I watch couples and I'm a real people watcher anyway couples that I know in my own personal world and just couples that I see in the airport I think is a great sense of getting you know the couples and you love seeing a couple acting in partnership and yeah. you feel it is a mom and pop show particularly obviously when there's there's children but you can see that it's a shared endeavour as opposed to one person doing the heavy lifting and you can see the the opposite as well but how do you kind of you know get to know each other all over again I think it's just to have the the threads of communication you know in place all through insofar as possible and that is going to be more challenging sometimes than others but just to make that space to be able to even sit on the Saturday morning and have a coffee or decide you know if there is even young children look 
we're not going out and we can't afford the babysitter and it's tough but even to sit and to have a takeaway on the Friday evening or just to sit in the garden and just we'll have the coffee and let the house be wrecked for the 10 minutes that we're out here chatting Mm -hmm. but it's just to keep the threads of communication you know that invisible string I suppose from my heart to yours even though there may not be the chocolates and the flowers and the excitement but to keep that invisible string very much in our minds that you know we are connected here and we need to work at that and that goes it's not just for people with um, you know young children and parents it's for people who are um, never get married who are in a relationship long term it's same sex relationships it's relationships right across the board if we want to be connected with somebody else in a loving mutually respectful partnership um, we need to keep the communication going. My next question on this topic was going to be where there isn't a third party involved, okay, where you get to a stage, whether it's one year in or five years in or whenever, um, you get to a stage that you're just not happy. Mm. And what's going on here is false. This being together is false. So that was going to be my next question. If I can, Mags, for the purpose of the question, I might just conflate it with the comment from a texter uh, who says, it's concerning for so many families presently, Edward. I know the stress for a wife and children where the husband decides to leave home to live with a man friend and decides he's gay. Uh, This could be after many years with many children in the family. It must be so upsetting um, for the wife or, of course, the other partner, depending um, there's so many relationships with men still living at home without wife or family knowledge. So I'm conflating that for the purposes of, you know, there are many reasons why people are living, you know, a lie. And that's one type of lie. But to be together and unhappy is an untruth. Of course, that's the word we've heard uh, this week at, at great at great length. But talk to me about that sense of being in a relationship and I don't want to use the phrase feeling trapped but mm. feeling stuck yeah well I suppose again it's multifaceted you can be in a relationship and then recognise after a number of years you know my needs and wants have changed as a person and of course then my needs and wants within the relationship has changed and maybe I'm recognising my partner can't actually give me um, what I need also you know for a situation like that texture there has been I suppose many situations over the years where somebody has coped in the best way they could uh, in a relationship that they have entered into and it's not to dilute or undermine the love that's felt within that relationship but then maybe people have more of a freedom now to be able to express you know well actually this is the person I love and I have more freedom now to be able to um, pursue that relationship and that's not for one moment diluting or um, not recognising the huge impact that has on people and families who are um, left in that situation if somebody does leave and decides that you know look at I am in, in a new relationship now and um, I'm I'm gay um, and that's that's hard for everybody everybody but there's a lot of um, components feeding into that and I see a lot of people maybe 30 40 years ago may not have had the freedom to be able to recognise well actually to be in a relationship with a man rather than a woman is is what I need as a person. Children being used as a glue or as an adhesive I presume is unwise. Um again or as the only glue. I would say look it's it's I suppose it's unhelpful and it's temporary and it can put a burden on the children that uh, as children get older that they may um end up performing tasks and roles within that relationship that's not theirs to perform you know so if if people stay together for the children or if there's only communication happening through the children 
uh, people do it very, very often for the best motives uh, in keeping a family together and being there for the children. But very, very often as a result of that, children take on roles um, that are not really theirs to take on, that they come in they try to become the glue actually for the parents as they get older mm. which um, can be um, I suppose unhelpful unhelpful Talk to me about the man or the woman or the partner who has who on whom the affair has been had so there is all this whole thing about you know trying to discuss each other's needs and, and mm. to re-establish that trust what do they need to do themselves? You know, I'm, I presume there's a period uh, and I don't mean that as in corrective action, but to kind of to accommodate. Oh, I'll, we'll swap the words. That's your word. To accommodate <laughs> what has happened. Yeah. I presume part of that has to be done without the involvement of, of the partner. Yeah. How does that journey happen? How do we look at that situation ourselves? But look, the person who... Uh, the affair has happened and, and they have you know discovered or realised or been told this they, they do need time to process this because it's it's a whole range of emotions and, and people need to be allowed space to um, accommodate what has just happened mm-hmm. you know there is the lack of trust there's the safety and security which may have been deeply impacted there may be a sense of that self confidence was I not enough who am I now in this relationship what does this mean to me as, as the man or the woman in the relationship um, and also anger you know, and it's a grief, it's a loss. So the person has to be allowed grief. And again, as we say many, many times, we grieve the way we live. So some people will need to tell the story over and over and over again and may want to revisit the story over and over and over again. Other people will go quiet and just want to sit with themselves and try and process it privately. Other people will want to go into a space, into a therapist's room and to talk about it. Um, And that is very, very important for the other person in the relationship to recognise who is my partner in everyday life in times of stress and uncertainty how do they respond to stress and uncertainty in everyday life because how we grieve is how we live so if we're somebody who will really need to sit and to tell the story we will need to do that in times of loss and grief um, and that may be frustrating for the person who feels well look I've admitted to the affair now or this has come out and I've said sorry and we've decided to move on and why do you keep bringing me back to asking questions and questions but very often this is the other person's way of trying to accommodate and make some sort of sense and to try and find themselves in that story and recognise again going forward what do I need now so very often it's that establishing of needs that will take place through that grieving process and it is a grief it's so interesting because so many people involved and I'm just thinking of all of the stakeholders, whether yeah. there's three and there's often four because there could be multi relationships mm-hmm. on on both sides. You know, it's there's a tough journey ahead for yeah. for those on whom this, this uh, is visited. It is. And depending on how many people know, because if it stays between the two people or the four people involved, you know, that's four people who have to do that piece of work Mm. but then if somebody has disclosed it to other parties and that may impact then relationships going forward because people may decide well I don't you know approve or I am judging or I am um, feeling you know let down so a lot of work has to be done at times and a lot of relationships may be impacted and there's also can be also I presume like this you know you're telling about the disclosure and sometimes it goes into a public arena there's almost like that level or that piece on kind of community shame or community judgment as well isn't there well people may be very conscious of that you know um 
I have a wonderful um, relative uh, who often says to me, you know, Mags, if we did everything, we if we had everything we did that we're not proud of tattooed across our foreheads, none of us would leave the front door. So I think sometimes it's to bring it back to ourselves too and our significant other and recognise what do we need to do to move forward and insofar as we can perhaps leave the fear of judgment outside the door because um, nobody stands in our shoes except us. The wisdom runs in the family obviously from that relative to yourself. Well, the dote of an aunt who's very kind. <laughs> how lovely, how lovely. Max, it's a fascinating topic. It's been interesting to kind of just explore a bit of it in a, in a few minutes and impossible uh, to do that. But I think great advice there around, you know, that and I've written it down, you know, uh, when we cease to be nourished and I think moving outside of infidelity Sometimes we can be unfair to ourselves and sometimes lots of different reasons, you know, our lives can cease to be nourished. So it's yeah, and it's, it's good it's to look at it. No more than any other dilemma we face in life. It's not one size fits all. Yeah, there's many, many components. And it's, you know, it always relates back to who we are as people, what we were trying to seek in another relationship, what wasn't being found in the relationship we have and how we move forward with that. Sure, Mags, thanks so much. Thanks Mags a million Bowen sure. from Bowen Psychotherapy. Check her out on all the social media platforms uh, as well. Um, we're going to leave you to sit with that for a few minutes and have a little think about it. Arashirish Ikyong Kuplanometh with the giant of musical theatre that is Killian Donnelly. The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden. KCLR. With thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on lyrath.com. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Edward Hayden here with you on the Saturday Show. Lots of... Um, food for thought there from Mags Bowen, a resident psychotherapist with regard to uh, infidelity, that re-establishment of uh, trust and I suppose looking at our, our own needs when uh, when they cease to be nourished. So thank you to her for uh, exploring those with us this morning in great detail as always. Now let's head over to our telephone line. We're joined on it by uh, a giant of musical theatre that is Killian Donnelly and Killian, of course is uh, currently performing at the Gate Theatre in the Irish premiere of Fun Home. Killian, good morning to you. Uh, Tara. So um, Tara will re-establish that line uh, in just a second. Of course, uh, Killian is uh, performing, as I said, in the Gate Theatre's uh, production of the Irish premiere of Fun Home. Killian, of course, known to us all um, of 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 the of this parish, as they say, uh, but of course. Um, very heavily involved in musical theatre with regard to um, Les Mis and The Phantom of the Opera, Kinky Boots, uh, Memphis, Sweeney Todd, uh, uh, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, uh, in which he performed at the Gate Theatre as well. So a very hefty uh, career with regard to musical theatre. Um, there uh, is Killian. And of course, um, we've just had that difficulty establishing, but re-established the line. Killian, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. There could be a few gremlins in our system. You wouldn't know. There could be <laughs> someone trying to sabotage our, our conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, 
chat with us because you're on stage every night currently in uh, the Gate Theatre. So I'm sure the last thing you wanted to do was to get up and take a radio uh, interview. So thank you for doing so. Not at all. Happy to talk to you. Happy to talk to you. Talk to us firstly about Fun Home. We'll go in, we'll go in backwards order. So we'll talk about the most recent first. This is an Irish premiere in the wonderful Gate Theatre. It is, it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite honoured to be involved with it. And what we found that with people going to see the show, it's quite odd, but the best way to experience the show is to know nothing about it, which I know is quite hard to sell a show. Mm. But I saw this in 2015. I was doing a show called Kinky Boots on Broadway and I had a Sunday off and I remember saying to the cast, I want to go see another Broadway show. And they said, go see Fun Home. So I did what everyone does. I go, what's it about? And they went, no, no, just go and see it. Buy a ticket. So I trusted them. And it was one of those shows that stuck with me like a week after I saw it. It was, it was in simple terms, it's about family. It's about Alison Bechtel, the most incredible uh, cartoonist who sort of reflects on her life, the four months when she came out and which led to her father passing away. And she sort of uncovers secrets. And that's it basically in a nutshell. But I'm really, really overwhelmed by the reaction we've gotten the people who are who knew nothing about it who came to see it word of mouth i feel sells shows in ireland people uh, we're a very small uh, country and people sort of like encourage others to go and see the show you'll love this you should go and see this uh, i won't tell you what it's about and it's 90 minutes long straight through which is which sort of there's no interval so there's no separation from the story there's no separation from the drama or the comedy and uh, it seems to be going phenomenally well. We're quite overwhelmed, really. So and, I believe. Uh, yeah. So I believe. And I look forward to seeing it myself before um, it ceases on Saturday, uh, the 26th of August. It's running right through at the minute. And uh, of course, people can check out gaytheatre.ie to get the, the tickets for that. I think you're right, though, Killian. I think personally, I love going to a show that I know nothing about. Because if you know, if you go to whatever, go to drama. If you go to the beauty queen of Nan, you're waiting all night for the chip fat to be in to kind of burn the mother, you know? Exactly, Whereas if you exactly. kind of go to something like this, you're kind of riveted to know what's going to happen next. And it allows you to kind of, yeah. you know, the invitation is to immerse yourself even more robustly in it, isn't it? I com- completely agree. I think, I, do you know what I think? I think we are in a world of phones and streaming and we get 15 second videos now and our attention is quite small for a lot of the time. So people, uh, rightly so, over in the West End, oh, you should go and see, say, Kinky Boots, or you should go and see this show. What's it about? Who's in it? Will I know any of the songs? That's mainly the three questions that everyone asks. Mm. And it's hard to, to, to buy a ticket to things. Number one, it costs a lot. But um, like when I bought my Broadway ticket, it was something like $89. And the gate are selling tickets for €15. Euro, and you can see an Irish premiere, a Tony Award musical, things like that are trying to invite new audiences and that's what I kind of love we're getting new audiences into theatre let alone the gate for the first time and I think people are experiencing what a what a theatre night out is uh, compared to compared to other artist forms artistic forms and and that's 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 something that's uh, that I love being part of if you can just be that, a small part of introducing people to theatre for the first time it's great but it is very hard to sell a show um, on if people haven't seen it or they don't know anything about it, 
but uh, it's yeah so far so good Well listen Killian, to avoid your blushes I can of course uh, remind you that uh, having the name Killian Donnelly on the ticket is uh, is no burden to have for ticket sales as well with the wealth of You're both so talent sweet. and experience that, that you bring to the party even if you were kind of singing the phone book I'm sure it would be mighty and worth the, and worth the ticket uh, Do you know what it's, it's that sort of a thing though when when I'm in Phantom of the Opera Mm. Uh, a, a lot of people will know exactly what they're getting and I, and you'd go out stage door of Phantom and people will be there this is my 67th time seeing the show mm. and and they've seen me five times or something like that like there's some shows out there that people are addicted to and and when we were talking about how do you sell a show saying to people uh, no you should just buy a ticket it's wonderful you can explain a show to people and it can kind of turn them off when I was in Les Mis everyone really knew the epic show that was Les Miserables. Mm. And, but if I was to sit people down and explain it to them, they go, what's Les Mis about? Well, it's three hours long. Everyone dies. Uh, there's some amazing songs in it. Uh, is it funny? Uh, there's the odd joke or two. Yet it is the most phenomenal musical theatre night out that you can have. Um, so it, it, it's, it's those sort of things that I'm quite overwhelmed by. Uh, it's when I get a program for a new show that I'm in and I look back on a CV and I go, <laughs> lame as a rab to have on your CV is like a badge of honour. The same with the Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. It's a badge of honour that you, you go into your next show. and it's, it's But you, as they say, you're only good as the last show you did. So it's, uh, it's quite an overwhelming feeling to have fun home on it now. For sure, for sure, in certain. And again, just looking at those kind of, uh, you know, very hefty pieces that you have on your CV. You mentioned Le Mis, Phantom of the Opera, you know, both of which you've revisited a number of times. You know, at this stage now, and, and again, this is the final time to avoid the blushes. I mean, you're very tried and tested, you know, very um, popular supremely talented so people know that they're going to get you know a performance of great gravitas and you've built up that that following and that fan base so I presume you can now be more um, judicious I suppose or selective with regard to what you do what now kind of grabs you to make you want to to do something or what kind of motivates you to kind of to take on a performance whether it's to revisit or reprise a, a role or to take on something new like Fun Home what, what makes you oh. tick? Oh, lovely, lovely question. A, 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 a character. If I ha- everything is about the character and the arc that that character goes on. If there's comedy, if there's drama and they're mixed together, incredible. It is, you, you want to have, I, I, I treat theatre, whether I'm going to it or whether I'm performing in it, as a little moment of therapy where no matter what happened in my day, I can pour my heart out on stage. And... It's the most therapeutic experience ever. If there's a song where I have to cry, I can jump in and pick something out of my brain that that, uh, that helps with that moment. There are, I'm not, I, I, like, I love auditioning and I, I get as many auditions as I possibly can and go to them because that's, I always feel, is the work. I put the work into the audition and mm. then if you're lucky enough to get the job, then you start the most incredible creative process there's six people in our show and we were in a rehearsal room for six weeks and we talked about every scene, every minute of the show. So we know it like the back of our hand. So when you're going on stage, I fully know my character. I know everything about him. And that's a, that's, I'm not just standing there saying lines and singing. I'm able to have his walk. I'm able to fix my glasses a certain way. 
that gives you confidence. And I was growing up, I was the most shyest kid in school. I would sit on my own uh, on the bus. But then I found my local musical society. And that was my training. I never had any professional training. It was just joining my local musical society. And the friends I met there became my friends for life. And fueling each other, encouraging each other and building my confidence and not feeling like it's, it's, there's something wrong with me if I, enjoy, if I don't like football and I enjoy singing in the mirror. Things like that were, were uh, something that, that was part of my training. So now I have full confidence going into any audition that I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm talking about. And yeah, that's, that's, that's all thanks to what I call my training of growing up in the Amdram circuit in Ireland and musical theatre. And I meet them. That's the thing I love more than anything meeting people at a stage door who are still from the Amdram or still from Ireland. I'd be over in New York and I could be doing a show and someone from my local village in Colmeston would be like, well, Killian, how are you doing? And that's the most, that's the greatest hug you can possibly get while you're over the other side of the world. For sure. I was interested in that. You mentioned Kilmesson, of course. People will know you're from Kilmesson in, in Kuntanami. Um, now performing in The Gate. What's the difference between kind of, you know, coming out of uh, The Gate theatre and getting into the car and going to a house or a hotel as opposed to, you know, leaving Her Majesty's Theatre or leaving somewhere uh, on, the, on the West End or uh, on Broadway and going home? Is the kind of the same modus operandi or is there a different feeling you know on the West End or on Broadway or how you live your life around that for me the way I was brought up it's the exact same there are other people I have worked with and yes they perform more at stage door than they do on a stage and that's that's for the book as my friend says it's a thing of like they, 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 they just walk out stage door and they're this other person that I have met backstage but I'm Irish. I'm so proud to be Irish. And another Irish person will call me out if they think I'm being someone I'm not. So when I walk out a stage door, I cycle into work, Edward. So like I'm in a fluorescent jacket and I'm in my fluorescent helmet and, and I've got the, the bike. And when I walk out stage door, it could be her, uh, His Majesty's Theatre. It could be the Sondheim of the West End or the Al Hirschfield on Broadway or the Gate Theatre or St. Mary's Musical Society in Navan. I'll still walk out, have a chat. I love talking to people. I love, I don't, I don't always ask, what did you think of the show? Because I'm not there for that. I, I love getting to know people. And if they casually bring up what they thought of the show, brilliant, we can talk about it and dissect it. But um, yeah, I love meeting people. I love, I love a friendly debate. I love a conversation. Um, and, and when you see a piece of theatre, I love going with a friend to a, a pub and have a pint. Right, let's talk about it. Let's dissect it. That's, like that gives me energy. I love it. The final question that I had uh, for you, Killian, with regard to, of course, you're were a member of, of St. Mary's Musical Society. There's musical societies up and down the country. I'm a member of, of one myself uh, that are performing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Ghost or Sister Act or whether it's Funny oh, Girl incredible. or Oklahoma or whatever. How oh, do you I kind of go to that and come up with the lines to kind of to say what you thought of it because I'm sure everyone wants to know what Killian Donnelly thinks of it and I'm sure it's always a bit like a curate's egg. Uh, my, my, thing, my thing is all about the ensemble because I grew up in the ensemble and it was always just trying to, to, to sing together, to, to work as a team and when I go to see shows, I saw, uh, I think it was Trim Musical Society production of Young Frankenstein a few months back and I absolutely adored 
the camaraderie and the crack that everyone was happening. I think musicals get sort of a bad rep because a lot of people will think it's just top hat and tails and kick lines. Where, as I say to people, uh, with Fun Home, people have been saying it's a musical for people who think they don't like musicals. But I loved Fun Home. And I go, well, if you loved Fun Home, you love musicals. You're just watching the wrong ones. And there is so, uh, the Amdram Musical Society just gave me so much musical theatre or theatre to just think about and love and fall in love with. I've two left feet. I can't dance, but I'm still able to try a kick line and I'll still get a round of applause by the end of it. And that's, that's the sort of thing. It built up my confidence and, yeah, I've made sort of friends for life. But um, Oklahoma that you mentioned was one of the first ones I did. And running around, like, chasing after Edo Annie with a Stetson on my head, I absolutely was like, this is what I need to do for life. <laughs> well, at least in early life, you met that girl who can't say no. Uh, Killian, lovely to talk to you. Um, really looking forward to seeing Fun Home. As I said, it's running at the Gate Theatre right through now until the 26th of August and people can check it out on gatetheatre.ie. It was gorgeous to talk to you this morning, Killian, and we thank you for you uh, giving Please the time. You say hello to me when you're in. I certainly will. I certainly will. Well, I had this big fallacy of an image that someone was out the back feeding you grapes. But now that I know that you're looking for the chain on the bike, we'll be able to say hello. Good morning, Killian. You won't miss me. Good morning. Bye, Edward. Thanks. Now, Killian Donnelly there, uh, star of Musical Theatre. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to chat very briefly to Valerie O'Sullivan before we conclude this morning's show. Stay with us. When it's time to unwind... Now, uh, good morning. You're very welcome back. When a couple break up, it's a grief like death. People need to be aware of that, says the text. So that's with regard to our comments and conversation on infidelity. Uh, Our texter, again, with the Paul's clothes, has been in touch with Paul's and they've reunited the bag with the owner. Uh, The texter loves the Saturday show and how long will I love you is so lovely. It was played at my dear niece's funeral, says the texter and uh, looking for Marble Halls someday from the Bohemian Girl. A texter is also looking for a ticket for ABBA-esque tonight in Ballykeith. If anyone has a ticket, they could get in contact with us here as well and we'd try to unite um, them with that person. Let's head over very briefly before we conclude this morning's show to Valerie O'Sullivan from Roth House just to touch in about the Hortis Cultural Society Garden Party to take place this week. Valerie, good morning. Good morning, Edward. Nice to talk to you, Valerie. Okay, Valerie, time is tight, so hit us quick. Tell us about the garden party. Well, I'm going to tell you about a couple of things coming up at Roth House over the summer. This Wednesday, the Horticultural Society have their annual garden party. Um, On Thursday evening, we are hosting a fabulous workshop with Sarah from the Wild Grazer, where she'll be doing cheese and charcuterie workshops. Um, and tickets available are directly with Sarah the Wild Grazer for that. And on Saturday, the Open Circle will be having a fabulous summer event in the garden as well. The Open Circle is a women's art collective. Um, and there's just there's loads going on at Roth House over the summer, Edward. Uh, I'm sure everyone saw Nationwide during the week. Kilkenny was looking absolutely glorious in the summer sunshine. Um, and I suppose we're lucky to be right in the heart of the medieval mile on Parliament Street um, and a beautiful venue for events and uh, for visitors all all year round. Absolutely. Uh, talk to me again about that Open Circle, the Women's Collective. What happens at that? Um, well, the Open Circle, it, it's, a, a, I suppose, a women's art cooperative um, that has been going for a number of years. 
and they've just had some restructuring. So Ita Morrissey, who you might know, um, is running um, this event and it's, it's you register directly with the open circle. There, it's just going to be a, a get together, I suppose, for for women, for artists, for creative, you know, to tap into that creative side. Um, that's going to be in the garden at Rose House, weather permitting, uh, next Saturday. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a, a chance, I suppose, for the group to come back together. They haven't kind of had a chance to have a big event for a little while. So. How lovely. And life is well in mm-hmm. Roth House. Other than that, are you having a busy season, Valerie? We're having a good season, Edward, yes. Um, our international visitors are, are strong and, and we absolutely love at this time to welcome our local visitors as well. It's just so much fun to see kids and their families coming in. They say, God... We've always wanted to come into Rose House, but we never had time. And they come in and they explore and they get to learn about the history and the connection with Kilkenny. So we're open seven days a week and we have guided tours or self-guided tours. And uh, we'd love to, to welcome, especially our local market. They're just really important to us as well. So we'd love to welcome everybody in over the summer. Indeed. Well, it's absolutely gorgeous down there. I'm a big Rose House fan. Valerie, unfortunately, time is tight, so I must leave it at that. But we'll touch base with you uh, again very soon. But for now, good morning and good wishes. Just tell us where people can check out for more details of the Rose House activities. Yeah, so on our Instagram and Facebook pages. So on Instagram, it's at underscore Roth underscore house um, and uh, on Facebook as well at Roth House. So uh, yeah, we post everything up there. So keep an eye on our social pages um, and everything is updated there with details of booking as well. Lovely. Valerie, thanks so much. Happy Saturday. Thanks to me, Edward. Bye. Now that's Valerie O'Sullivan from Roth House. And that brings me to the end of this morning's show. Thanks to the lovely Tara, who's been working with us this morning uh, on the show and doing a little bit of work here in case you Lord. She's uh, a little dinger uh, out there as well. So uh, thanks to her. John will be here with the news at 12 o'clock. Eddie will be in with the Saturday brunch very, very shortly. And don't forget to check out uh, Robbie's interview with Conor Fogarty this evening at four o'clock, of course, during Saturday Sports, which is running all through from two o'clock. I'll be back with you next Saturday morning for the black and amber breakfast. What'll I be serving up? Well, I'll have my slither and my ball ready to go. Talk to you next week.